This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. The first degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. You see it on the news. You see it on the paper. You see it on Facebook. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. And it haunted me in my head. I had my little daughter, my little precious other daughter, sleeping in the other room. And I was having a conversation with a murderer. Of course, we didn't know that at the time. But just the reality of that, that somebody who had done something so evil had been in the sphere of my baby. You never fully let that go. Welcome to the First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting far away from Alexis Linkletter and Billy Jensen. But you know what? It doesn't feel like I'm far away because Alexis is, she's doing a weird little point at me through the Zoom recording and it's really bringing me joy right now. Just being being the stage manager. You're like, in our digital stage. Action. Two. One, go. Um, so today's case is part one of two parts of Sabrina Bebb Jones. So if you're one of our firsties that likes to listen to everything in a little bingy situation, then wait until next week to listen. But you'll be missing out on a bunch of fun and not so fun. A whole week, <laughs> a whole week of first degree you'll be missing out on. So you'll be missing out on it. But um, before we get into the episode, I already looked up the days today and they are fucking fantastic. So Billy, what day is it today? All right. Well, today is Wednesday, May 26th and it's World Dracula Day. Ooh. And you know, we in the killing time, I start off the episode saying hosted by two girls, one goth. That is our new tagline. And when we describe ourselves via via emoji, it's the two girls and then Dracula. Yes. Hell yeah. And this was this was the day that Bram Stoker's novel came out in 1897. No way. Whoa. Mm. Damn. I'm into that. that. A long time ago. What other days are there, Billy? There are some other good ones. There were some other good ones. There's uh National Paper Airplane Day. Not what I was looking for. All right. But then there's also not one but two <laughs> things that, that Alexis hates. It's National Blueberry Cheesecake Day and National Cherry Dessert Day. Ew. <laughs> they just they doubled down on this day. Cooked, Dude, cooked fruit, fruit dessert is so disgusting. Why would anyone eat anything sweet that wasn't chocolate or something creamy? One of the two. Listen, I like it, but I you understand. like it like a cherry tart with like cherry jam in it? I like a yeah, I like a jammy Ew. tart. But I like chocolate better. 
I will always choose, choose chocolate, but like I'm not a against PBJ? Ugh. You don't like peanut butter jelly? I hate jelly. No. Mm. Wow. I, I would assume just even if you hated it, you would like peanut butter and jelly. I've never met somebody that doesn't like PBJ before. I think with the jelly, you need the jelly because the peanut butter is very sticky. It's very dry. Mm. Yeah. You need a little bit of jelly, but I am very much three to one ratio of peanut butter to jelly. Yes. Yeah, so you need a little... A, a little peanut butter sandwich on hot bread, and the peanut butter becomes a little thinner and hot and a little runny, and then mm. you got a delicious situation. And that's it? That's right. Mm. Okay. Well, Billy forgot the, the best day that is today, and that is it is World Redhead Day, Ooh. which I can't believe you didn't start off with because – and Jared just gave me a little look I'm over I'm sorry, Jared. <laughs> Billy, Sorry. Everyone, that's Jack who has Jared in the same room as her. That is Jack with Jared in the same room as her. <laughs> For our new listeners who can't discern our voices from one another, that is Jack. Jared (laughs) equals Jack's life partner. Well, happy happy World Redhead Day. I have always loved the redheads. They are my faves. So celebrate by going out in the sun today. Get a few new frecks under your belts. All right. Well, that's enough of that. So let's turn down the lights. And turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you. We move blindly through our lives and let people in and out of our orbits constantly. And you know what? We take it lightly. We engage with strangers, acquaintances, business associates, friends, and even family with a level of inherent trust. A trust they don't deserve, and a trust we don't have time to pressure test. But as you know, as a consumer of true crime and listener of this podcast, that quite often this trust is betrayed. Today's case takes us back to September 16th of 1997. Movies, Mrs. Dalloway, The Game, and LA Confidential were in theaters. Honey by Mariah Carey was topping the charts, followed by Men in Black by Will Smith and Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. It was an iconic week in music. Yeah. Iconic (laughs) time. Iconic. And the setting for today's case is Grand Junction, Colorado, which is located in the western part of the state along the Colorado River. And that area is nicknamed River City because two major rivers meet near the city, which many locals refer to as a junction, hence the name Grand Junction. During the 1970s, the nearby valley became an economic point of interest because of its vast supply of oil shale. But as I first degree Michelle tells us, Grand Junction was much smaller in 1997 than it is today. Grand Junction, it's on the western slope of Colorado. It's actually, if you're there, a lot of the streets are named like 28 and a half road because that's how far away they are from the Utah border. It's more of a desert. I think the population, it was right around the time that Grand Junction was officially a metropolis. So to hit that like 100,000 mark, you start getting kind of more like chain restaurants and things like that. There was, now it's actually a university, but Mesa State College was in town. Not a lot of like businesses. By the late 90s, Grand Junction was trying to designate itself from the surrounding metro area. And to do this, the city needed to attract families. And there was one way to do that. Tourism is kind of part of what Grand Junction has been trying for several years to attract more of. 
They really try to get tourism to come in for things like mountain biking, hiking, because the the mesa, which is kind of more mountain, is really beautiful. And so is the monument. And the monument is very much like red, like kind of like what you think of red rocks or or Utah with arches and some of those areas, but really beautiful. So Grand Junction sounds like a great place for a family to settle down, especially a family with children. And it just so happens that children were a big part of Michelle's job at the time, as well as part of the story that we're telling today. I was working at a small daycare, child care center, and I had a daughter of my own at the time who was about two. Since Michelle worked in a daycare, she normally took her daughter to work with her. However, one day she decided to stay home because either her or her daughter were sick. But while she was at home, Michelle's day took an unexpected turn. I got a phone call somewhere in the late morning, early afternoon, and it was my boss. And they said, Michelle, have you talked to Marcus or Sabrina? Do you know anything? Because they're missing. Because at that point, the police contacted the daycare center, and I was just shocked. I said, what? You know, how can they be missing? This is insane. So I bet you're wondering, who are Marcus and Sabrina? Well, they're the parents of a boy named Daniel, who was a student, so to say, at the daycare center where Michelle worked, or a little boy who attended the daycare center. Michelle had made a connection with Daniel's mother. 31-year-old Sabrina Bebb Jones, and she started babysitting Daniel outside of her daycare classroom at her own home when Sabrina and her husband, 33-year-old Marcus Bebb Jones, needed childcare. And remember how Grand Junction was trying to revive tourism? Well, Sabrina and Marcus were a couple who were contributing to that dream because the reason they moved to this area was to buy, restore, and operate the local Melrose Hotel. And at one point, Sabrina had even given Michelle a tour of the hotel, to show her the updates they'd made. Now, this hotel was small. It had 18 rooms, and each one had an individual personality. And according to their website, they're offering a Victorian atmosphere with the convenience of the present day. And if you take a look at the pictures of the hotel, it's like one of those really cute, quaint downtown hotels, two stories. Just looks like a great place to stay. I totally stay there. And it looks like a really cute little boutique hotel. Like, I feel like when we went to Crime Con, was it Crime Con or when we went meeting with Payne Lindsay, we stayed at like a little boutique hotel, sort of like this. That was in, in Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, that totally reminds me of it. It's super cute. And I love how there there is that like, it's very vintagey feeling, but you know, it's like nice and clean on the inside. That's what it, the yeah. appearance looks like. Yeah, I guess the original was built in 1908. And if you Google it, you can see the before and after. And structurally, they kept the same. And they updated it, but it looks like a modern update. Like it still has sort of a a retro feel, but brand new. It looks gorgeous. And we'll post these on our social media too. Totally. One time we had dropped Daniel off with them and they had given us a tour of the hotel. And, you know, Sabrina and Marcus are showing us the hotel and Sabrina was so proud of the work she'd done at the hotel. You could tell. And it really was. She had done a tremendous amount of work from where it had been. So we're getting a clear picture of Sabrina. She was passionate, kind, and committed to transforming the hotel and contributing to her community. Marcus, on the other hand, he was kind of harder to get to know than Sabrina was. I think he's kind of a bit of a salesman, I would say. 
He has that kind of that personality where he's very confident, very kind of sure of himself. I would say he would do things to sort of have the power position in conversation. Mm-hmm. Kind of cocky. He was British, and he's the only British person that I knew in graduation at the time. So, I mean, at the time, you're kind of just like, well, it's it's the accent. And I think I, I really liked Sabrina a lot, to tell you the truth. Okay, so there's the background on this family and how Michelle had come to know them. So we're going to snap back to this weird phone call where Michelle learns that these people that she's gotten to know rather well were missing. She talked on the phone to the police. And they said, yeah, they're missing. Nobody knows where they are. Have you heard anything? But Michelle hadn't heard anything. It was relayed to her on this call because she was the couple's babysitter. The police wanted to speak with her. And so I think I had called the police and I said, hi, you know, I'm here. I hear you want to speak with me. And so that first day, Thursday, I thought the whole family was missing. And so I was, you know, scared for everybody. These first calls to the police would be the beginning of a heartbreaking sequence of events and a string of disturbing revelations that would place Michelle at the center of the investigation into this missing family. This brings us to some key questions. How could a family from such a nice area like Grand Junction just suddenly disappear? And how does Michelle fit into all this? Well, to find the answers, we got to go back to the beginning, starting from when Michelle met the Bev Jones family. Michelle's interaction with the Bev Jones family began innocently enough. I met Sabrina and Marcus Bed Jones when they brought their son to Bright Beginnings for childcare. Daniel, their son, wasn't in my class initially, but it was a small center. It was a parent co-op. So one of the draws was parents could do volunteer work to come in and kind of do maintenance and things and get a little credit on their bill. So parents were pretty involved and you kind of knew everybody. Back then, I was in my early 20s, I was 22, and I had this little girl, and childcare does not pay extremely well. So I did quite a bit of childcare for people on the side here and there. It was kind of a good side hustle, sort of. And it was great because my daughter always liked playing with other children, so I could make a little money on the side, and it was kind of a fun little play date for my daughter. Sabrina and Michelle ended up chatting, and Sabrina was thrilled to find out Michelle did babysitting on the side. The Melrose Hotel, which Sabrina and her husband Marcus were reviving, was essentially a full-time project, which entailed a lot of late nights and weekends. And it's no surprise that the hotel business is extremely time-consuming, which is why they needed a reliable babysitter like Michelle. She needed someone for Saturday mornings to watch Daniel because... She needed to do some things at their hotel. And on Saturday mornings, Marcus was doing tours with guests at the hotel. So she would bring Daniel to me during that time. And I would watch him for about five hours on Saturday mornings. From Michelle's perspective, it seemed as though Sabrina was the one who handled most of Daniel's day-to-day needs. I definitely saw more of Sabrina than Marcus. At some point, Daniel moved into my classroom, and Daniel was very attached to his mother. But 
Sabrina was really, really attentive as a mother. She was the type of personality that she would rather have stayed a little longer and kind of get him situated and get him comfortable before she left. Another thing to note, Sabrina was extremely punctual. She was also the type of mom who, if she was going to be just even a, like five, ten minutes late, we got a phone call from her. And that's not usual for everybody. But she would want us to let Daniel know, like, if he's waiting on me. And I mean, he's three. So he doesn't know time. But she knows that he's going to be expecting her. So if she she was concerned, like, if he wakes up and I'm not there yet, let him know that, you know, I'm on my way. So she thought of him all the time. Michelle was a big fan of Sabrina's. And they started to interact very frequently with the comings and goings of watching Daniel at both daycare and at home. Which brings us to a phone call Michelle received from Sabrina the week before the family went missing. The phone had woken me up. And so I was a little, you know, just kind of like that groggy. And she sounded more urgent than she usually did when she asked if I could watch Daniel. And she was kind of pleading with me, could I take him home with me from work on Tuesday so her and Marcus could have a day together. So the plan here, to be clear, is that Daniel would be dropped off at daycare and then Michelle would take Daniel home with her, which meant that Sabrina and Marcus could have the entire day together until they had to pick Daniel up late that Tuesday night. And they were going to go to Dinosaur National Park. According to the National Park Service website, when describing Dinosaur National Park, they say, Dinosaurs once roamed here. Their fantastic remains are still visible, embedded in the rocks. Today, the mountains, desert, and untamed rivers flowing deep in canyons support an array of life. Petroglyphs hint at earlier cultures. Later, homesteaders and outlaws found refuge here. Whether your passion is science, adventure, history, or scenery, Dinosaur offers much to explore. So clearly, Sabrina and her husband Marcus wanted to drive the two hours to this park to see all Dinosaur National Park had to explore. So anyways, back to Michelle's phone call with Sabrina that day. And I remember her saying, before I'd had a chance to even say yes or no, she said, please, Michelle, we really need this. And that sticks with me. I wasn't really aware that they were having marital problems. I'm not sure that's something that you know, she would have spoken to me about. Even at the time, it kind of caught me off guard. And I said, oh, yeah, of course. And we made the arrangements. Four days later, Sabrina drops Daniel off at daycare. So Tuesday came and we talked and we had just kind of a normal conversation about that they would be gone for the day, what time they would pick him up from me that evening. And I told her kind of like, this is what I was going to make for dinner. Do you think this is fine? Will you like that? And she said, oh yeah, he likes, you know, those things. She didn't seem nervous. She didn't seem upset, but she did seem in a hurry to go to kind of get on the road, which is understandable because Dinosaur is not super close to Grand Junction. The day proceeded as normal. 
So kind of go through the day. We're at daycare, and I bring him home with me, with my daughter. We're home that evening. The kids are playing. I fed them dinner. Basic night. And then it starts getting later. The late afternoon and evening proceeded as normal as well. And then it came time for Sabrina to pick Daniel up. I was really surprised when it was, you know, past the time that they were supposed to be there. And I hadn't gotten a phone call from Sabrina. I hadn't heard anything all day. And I had been surprised that she didn't call me that evening to verify that, you know, everything was going fine. Was Daniel okay? That had surprised me because that wasn't like her either. But they were hiking and they were in the wilderness, all of those things. I kind of disregarded that at the time. It was getting late, so Daniel started getting fussy, which was pretty understandable. Daniel, he wasn't really wanting to go to sleep at my house because it was different. I was sitting out on the couch with him, and we were watching cartoons. And I think it was about 45 minutes after the time that Daniel was supposed to be picked up. Marcus came to get him. Marcus came to get him. That was also abnormal. Now, Marcus had never picked him up from our house before. One time they had gone to a concert, and that night they both came. But Marcus, he didn't even pick Daniel up very often from the center on his own. I mean, there would be a few rare times we'd see him, but we definitely saw Sabrina more. Or they'd come together. But Marcus coming without Sabrina, that wasn't the norm. Okay, so I bet that your true crime brain is being activated like all of ours is. Because a lot of things are really not lining up. But at the time, Michelle really had no way of knowing how key this interaction with Marcus would prove to be. It was late at night, she was tired, and she's just relieved that one of Daniel's parents is finally there to pick him up. Right. So I do think it's interesting to note that she knows that she's never really interacted with Marcus. Sabrina really takes most of the care. But at this point, it's so easy to be like, they were hiking all day. Sabrina could be tired. Maybe, you know, there's... This wouldn't necessarily throw up a red flag. Well, it's just one of those things that it's everything in retrospect, right? Because that could have come and gone and it could have been it could have been such an innocuous sort of situation that really had no relevance whatsoever. But it's only looking back and seeing what transpired before and after or whatever it was that made it such a interesting moment. Yeah. And like we said you know, it's, it's late at night. She's tired. She's not, you know, she's going to question a lot less things. She just like, okay, you know what? I can finally go to bed. Yeah. I just want to go to sleep. It's a moment that seems so benign, but something you would dissect over and over if you learned later that something bad happened. Yeah. He comes in, he doesn't say anything about Sabrina and he's like, oh, come on, Daniel, we got to go, you know, and he hands me the money for babysitting, just kind of hands it to me. So the day Michelle babysat Daniel for Sabrina and Marcus was a Tuesday. On Wednesday morning, Michelle went to work at the daycare as usual. I actually switched from the classroom I was in. So I no, no longer saw Daniel like 
all day when he was at daycare. I didn't, I would see him in the morning when he first got there. Michelle didn't see Daniel that Wednesday at daycare, but he was there. He had attended. Apparently, Marcus had brought Daniel in. I heard from other staff at the time. He had brought Daniel in later than normal. Daniel was really upset. He was crying a lot. Then we get to Thursday. Thursday, either I or my daughter was sick. So we didn't go to work that day. But I got a phone call. Police contacted the daycare center. The whole family was missing. And this brings us back to the moment that Michelle received that call and she learned that the family was missing. Michelle had been in close contact with the family in the days just prior. So naturally, the police were very interested to speak with her. And they set an appointment, I think, for the next day for me to come in that morning and talk to them. Michelle was perplexed by this whole thing, and she began running through all of the possible scenarios. And it was at that point, a very disturbing one had crossed her mind. I was, you know, scared for everybody. And they had had a burglary at the hotel, I want to say maybe a month before, and their cell phone had been stolen. And now in retrospect, I'm kind of suspect of this situation. But their cell phone had been stolen. So that was the first thing I thought. You know, they'd had a burglary. Somebody came back. Somebody took this whole family. And that's just really scary. When Michelle met with the police, she was really worried by this point. She had understandably formed a bond with Daniel and Sabrina, too. And the idea that something sinister could have happened to them was a really terrifying notion. So when she spoke to the police, they asked her normal things you'd expect in the preliminary stages of a missing persons case. She recounted to them what had transpired, how Sabrina had asked her to watch Daniel so that she and Marcus could spend the day together at Dinosaur National Park. Marcus had picked Daniel up. He'd been casual. He'd been nonchalant. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary. But after speaking to them, she went home without much resolution. And the whereabouts of the family was a true mystery. And all Michelle could do at this point was hope they would all turn up okay. When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus and I couldn't practice enough and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways. And with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, and then sentences. And before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first-degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com first today. Hey there, Brenda. It's Carol. Exactly. So which leg are we operating on? You mean arm? It's all connected. Asking the right question can greatly impact your future. Are you sure you're an orthopedist? 
Actually, I'm a Sagittarius. Especially when it comes to your finances. Do you have a question? Are you a certified financial planner? Yes, I'm a CFP professional. CFP professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree50 and use code degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree50 at factorymeals.com slash degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. In September of 1997, the Bev Jones family had come up missing. Michelle, who was little boy Daniel's babysitter, had been watching him so that Sabrina and Marcus could spend time together on the day this entire mystery began unfolding. So after Michelle spoke to the police, she went home and waited for news. And it was days later that she'd get some. Marcus had been found, and he was alive. I found out Marcus was in Las Vegas. He had tried to kill himself in one hotel room. Daniel had been located as well. And he had left Daniel alone in a different hotel room. So Daniel was found alone, just completely abandoned in a hotel room, and Marcus was in a different hotel, and he had tried to kill himself. But he wasn't successful. Marcus had been discovered with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to his jaw. When the hotel maid had found him, there was a note lying nearby. The note was addressed to his wife. It said, quote, Sabrina, initially you may not think this is the best. I can't change who I am. I understand your anger. But now, as the years pass, that will diminish. This is the only way I can be without you or Daniel. Please don't hate me, Marcus. Okay. So, what do we think about this? It's a bizarre note. Well, let's talk about the fact that 
Sabrina was in Dinosaur National Park. That's where they were together the day that Michelle babysat for them. Right. So what in God's name is he doing in Las Vegas? Where is Daniel? Why did you miss when you tried to kill yourself? Why did it hit you in the jaw? And what does this note mean? Yeah. It sounds like this note is him trying to set up an alibi. Yeah. Or or potentially him writing to her if she's already dead and him and and maybe even Daniel is going to meet him in the afterlife. It's it's incredibly bizarre and you have to wonder when he wrote it, but you have to think that he wrote it right before he he did this gunshot wound to his jaw. I mean, if you're thinking like a defense attorney, it could also be Sabrina left him. He did yeah. something horrible like cheated or blew their life savings gambling in Vegas and and there's no recovery for his right. life. I mean, those are the potential scenarios and I Well, and it's just like the way writing her a note is also setting up the fact that if he's writing her a note, he thinks that she's alive. Yeah. Well, here's a question. Do guilty people or innocent people shoot themselves in the jaw? Because a jaw is pretty close to your face and brain. So it's pretty. It's a pretty risky <laughs> shot to take. I don't know, Billy. I don't know. When I noticed that, I thought that he just punked out when he was trying to trying to kill himself. And then he moved, he moved at the very last minute. Or maybe subconsciously. Yeah, mm-hmm. something like, like that. Like maybe he had the, the gun right underneath uh, his jaw. Uh, right by his neck, and then he flinched at the very last second, and then it went, it ricocheted sort of off his jaw. Possibly. So Marcus, although he was injured, was accounted for. And Daniel had been accounted for too, but the big question is, where was Sabrina? And there were other questions. Why was Marcus with Daniel in Las Vegas? And then there's that note. What was that note all about? At this point, there were few answers to be had. But once news of what happened in Vegas was made public, Michelle knew one thing for sure. I knew 100% he had killed Sabrina. No doubt. No doubt in my mind. I knew in my gut there was no way if she was alive, if she was walking this earth, that she would not be trying to contact her son. I knew if she was okay, she would have called us. Michelle had no idea that on the day she agreed to babysit for Sabrina Bebb Jones, she would find herself in the center of Sabrina's murder. It haunted me in my head. I had my little daughter, my little precious toddler daughter, sleeping in the other room. And I was having a conversation with a murderer. The reality of that, that somebody who had done something so evil had been In the sphere of my baby, you never fully let that go. By this point in our story, it's becoming more and more clear that Daniel was in Michelle's care when Sabrina's life was cut short. Unfortunately, this story would drag on for years and included a cloud of suspicion, a move overseas, a poker tournament, and an extradition. All of this and more next week on part two of this story. Until then, a big thank you to Michelle for being our first degree this week. She'll be with us next week as well. If you're listening out there and you have a story to tell, please email us. Hello at the first degree podcast. 
thefirstdegree.com. You can follow us on Instagram at the first degree, at Alexis Linkletter, at Billy Jensen, at Jack Vanek. Join our first degree Facebook page. We're talking true crime all the time. And check back in our feed tomorrow for a brand new episode of Killing Time. And remember, only you can prevent serial killers and keep your friends close. But But not not that that close. Happy Dracula Day. Happy Cooked Fruit Day, you animals. Happy National Redhead World Day. Or whatever. Whoop, whoop. Shout out to Jared Monaco for scoring and creating original music for The First Degree, producing by Caitlin Cleveland, producing an additional writing by Taylor Rogers, and producing by Alan Santiago for Podcast One. Sources for this episode are the BBC, the Post Independent, the Daily Mail, the Aspen Daily News, and the Denver Post. And as always, our first degree guest is always our largest source. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.